Welcome to Dyslexia Solutions. I'm Dr. Marianne Cintron, founder of Step-by-Step Dyslexia Solutions. This is a program where we interview adults who have dyslexia, or they have dyslexic children, or teachers who have dyslexic children. The purpose of this video or podcast is to empower you with information as a caregiver to advocate for your children, and to inform you of the current practices. Also, we're looking for sponsors who are either adult dyslexic people or adults who have dyslexic children who want to help us further this message. Dyslexia affects one in five people in this nation, and we have a national reading crisis. So I equip heroic teachers and parents with an effective literacy program to remediate dyslexia so we can close the achievement gap, stop the school-to-prison pipeline, and prepare kids for success in school and in life. Today I have a very special guest with you. Her name is Hilary Laxon. She is the CEO of True North Consulting. She is a parent of a dyslexic child who's now in the ninth grade. So she's a mom of a dyslexic child and the CEO of Dyslexia Life. She has studied business employment law at the University of San Diego, and she has a BS, a BA um, from the uh, College of Business at the University of Denver. I want to invite her to join us right now and give us a welcome, Hillary. We're excited to talk to you today. Hi. <laughs> There you are. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. Let's go ahead. Did I leave anything out of your great introduction that you might want to share with the audience about um, a little bit more about you, which I know you do? No, I'm just a mom to a child who has uh, severe dyslexia, and I do have a graduate level paralegal degree, like you said, which, P.S., I learned nothing about special ed law during paralegal school. I learned all this when I had to get in the fight with my child much like a lot of parents, but that's it. Okay, well, why don't we get started and you could tell us a little bit about Maddie's uh, start, her journey and where she is today with um, how her dyslexia was diagnosed, maybe the money and the uh, different professional services you received for her. And we'll start there. Got it. So um, like you said, my ex-husband is dyslexic. So I knew that there was a probability she was going to be dyslexic. Um, My ex-husband is on active duty, or he was until a month ago um, in the Coast Guard. And it was about the time she was uh, three, we were living in Hawaii on Oahu. And I started to notice at preschool, they called me up telling me that she couldn't learn her letters and that she didn't know right from left. She couldn't tie her shoes. She really couldn't write her own name. And at the time, no one said that those were indicators of dyslexia. I now know those are early warning signs for somebody in preschool. And we actually happened to be in a private preschool because there wasn't a space for us in a military um, preschool on Hawaii. And I hired a tutor when she was three and four in Hawaii to work with her on penmanship and letters and numbers and they worked with her every day after school but I did not know at the time to hire an Orton Gillingham 
tutor or who knew anything about Orton Gillingham. So we did that for several years. And then she turned five and we moved back to San Diego with the military and she enrolled in pre or, um, kindergarten in Coronado, California, which is a huge Navy Coast Guard area. And I knew pretty soon after kindergarten, here comes the teacher calling me, telling me she just doesn't seem to get it. She can't read. She doesn't know her letters or numbers. She can't spell her name. And this is kindergarten, mind you. Mm -hmm. And at the time, they said they would move her in small group. And of course, I was stupid. (laughs) And what happens to a lot of parents is that when they see something is wrong with their child, they tell you you're going to get moved to small group. But what you, I now know about dyslexia is that when you're put in small group, if it's not an Orton-Gillingham-based program or a multi-sensory program or structured word inquiry, it's not going to help someone who has dyslexia. And pretty soon after that, because we had TRICARE insurance, I took her to a child psychologist who at the time said she had ADHD and attentive as well as an auditory processing disorder. So I went back to school and sure enough, I got an IEP. I didn't have to have much of a fight to get an IEP. Mm, It was for SLD and then OHI for the ADHD. But unfortunately, even today in California, as you know, the dyslexia law is not as great as some other states. And so we didn't get reading intervention in school in California, even till we left California at the end of 2018. We still had no reading intervention at school. Um, so I hired another private tutor who happened to know Wilson when she was about seven. And for the five years after that, we lived in San Diego. This person worked with her all the time. Um, and, you know, we started to see stuff change. And then as far as you asked some other questions, so because we are or were active duty, we were able to take resources from medical as well as school. So a lot of the testing and stuff that you can get covered by TRICARE, you can also get covered from some of the bigger insurance companies. So we used a lot of that to get additional testing. She went to a neuropsychologist when she was eight at the time, I was told TRICARE wouldn't cover that, um, so that was about $2,500, and that was when they actually diagnosed her as having severe dyslexia, ADHD, and then he was aware of the auditory processing disorder. So we have such a huge issue with parents who aren't getting the uh, the services from their school. The school's aren't spending the money to train the teachers. They're not taking the time to assess the kids for dyslexia because really they don't know what to do after they get that diagnosis. So I know parents are very frustrated and I'm really advocating for parents um, to write those letters to their schools to get their kids tested for, for dyslexia, but also seek outside support because we don't wanna just waste more time and there are outside services I'm one that can assess your kids for dyslexia and get them started on an intervention. There's more in-depth Orton-Gillingham programs out there. And, you know, I know a lot of the big companies are the ones that have hundreds of, you know, students that they've used for data collection. 
um, to know the, the, the benefits of a multi-sensory reading program. So parents can get started now. Um, Hillary, what are the um, different services? You, you said that tr the insurance covered the assessment, but what mm -hmm. were some of the other? Um, I want you to talk about the speech, the, you know, all the other things that you had for Maddie to help her get a it, diagnosis. Uh, right. So what a lot of parents don't understand is that sometimes you get labeled with ADHD or dyslexia, but maybe it's not ADHD and dyslexia. But a lot of times people think that once you're labeled with ADHD and dyslexia, that that explains all the struggle and issue you might be having at school. And what's been happening to not only my, happened to my child as well, but many people I know, they find out in middle school or sometimes even high school when the work gets harder, that they also have a um, receptive expressive language disorder and they need additional SLP services, and that's often missed. I mean, there's a lot of kids that have speech IEPs who actually are dyslexic, and they should be served under SLD, and they're being served under speech. So we started with, we actually didn't start with an SLP until seventh grade, and the reason that came out was because I had been working, or she had been working with a Wilson tutor for a while, and one day the Wilson tutor told me she didn't comprehend reading. And I thought to myself, I had had two neuropsych evaluations by this point. So I knew I didn't have an intelligence problem. I knew she could hear other than she had an auditory processing disorder, which was about her processing sound and language. And I knew she was severely dyslexic. So not being able to comprehend reading didn't make sense to me. So being the child of a radiologist and a nurse, and my grandfather was a psychiatrist, I went back to my primary care and basically told her I wanted a referral to an ENT, an audiologist, and an SLP. And if I didn't figure out what it was, I was going to be back again for another referral to someone else. And I wasn't going to stop until I figured out what the problem was. Well, it turned out she had a mild to moderate receptive expressive language disorder. And like most dyslexic kids that are high IQ and high intelligence, no one noticed that she had one because she had been able to cover it up by memorizing work, by doing whatever until seventh grade. And then once she got to seventh grade, it became obvious that her memory was a bigger issue than we thought it was. And this language disorder made it so that she wasn't necessarily comprehending reading, but the problem was that she was missing huge gaps of language. So that was when she started to struggle. So we've been working with an SLP now for two and a half years, twice a week, which we've used from TRICARE. And then we also got SLP services under um, tier three from our school in Georgia as well. Okay, let me just explain to our audience that SLP is speech language pathologist. So those are your speech therapists at the schools. Um, and S the um, tier three is the severe, the most severe language uh, discrepancy that the kids have. So we have tier one, tier two, tier three, and there needs to be a, a very distinct uh, level of intervention, the Orton-Gillingham model, multi-sensory, systematic, structured, sequential, all that has to be in a tier three intervention. 
and the other acronym you used was um, SLD. So that's the, in the special ed category, we have a, the category of specific learning differences or disability, where 85% of the kids in that eligibility category have dyslexia. So we need to offer some services to help these children exit special ed, um, you know, get them reading. They may be in special ed for other things, but let's help them read. And what Hillary's really stressing is early intervention. Her daughter couldn't tie her shoe, which is a real indicator of early, uh, early indicator of dyslexia, and not being able to learn her letter names and sounds. So parents, you need to be aware those are preschool indicators. And another one I'll add is if kids can't rhyme by the age of four, you know, they should be rhyming and having fun with language. So, you know, what I, I just want to share that what I'm finding is the, the need is greater to help the kids than the people who are available to help the kids. So for sure, with, um, with our program, we are looking for parents who are dyslexic or have dyslexic kids to help sponsor us with the uh, scholarships to give the tuition, to train the tutors, to help the children. And we can, you know, this could be happen nationwide and we'd be a big boost for the schools who just don't have the manpower or the budget as we keep hearing to train these tutors. So we can get them started with a six week uh, intervention for kids and we use music with our reading program, but I want to, you know, the t teachers can be trained in a day. And, I, you know, there are different levels of dyslexia. And some students are going to need that dyslexic school, right? But mm -hmm. some, some kids that we've worked with are just needing to break the code of reading so that when they get into middle school special ed, they're at least ready to learn to read. Otherwise, they get stuck at a third grade level, second grade level, and that's where these lawsuits are coming up because parents are so frustrated. So would you, what would you target as the main problem right now and what are maybe three or four things you would recommend parents do to help their, their kids right now? I would say that you need to maximize the services you can get from your public school, as well as whatever medical insurance or Medi-Cal you have access to, depends on your circumstances. So take from them whatever kind of therapy you can get. Auditory processing therapy is often covered by insurance. SLP, you know, speech language services is covered. So do that, max it out so that you get the most intervention and try to save your pocketbook some money. Um, a lot of parents, when they go to hire, a, you know, a tutor or some sort of intervention privately, are not told clearly about how much intervention it's going to take. And so what people should be spending money on is a bare minimum of two hours a week one on one. I honestly, if you have any kind of severe dyslexia case or profound dyslexia, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to tell you, you need four to five hours a week of reading intervention until you start to make progress. That's just the reality. When you only do it two days a week, it takes a long time to get anywhere. It really does. And yeah. And then I, I think the biggest message is that you have the right to hire an attorney. You have the right to hire an advocate. You have the right to bring whoever you want to bring to your IEP meeting 
under um, the IDEA Act under parent participation rights. And people don't know that. And people also don't know that an IEP is basically a legal document. So if you're going to have an IEP meeting, you need to exercise your right to write a parent concern letter for every IEP meeting. And a parent concern letter is honestly just a simple letter explaining three to five things that you have a concern about and you send it before your IEP meeting because it's kind of like creating an agenda in the real world. I think parents don't realize the importance of what an IEP meeting is. And if you, I mean, we would never go to Apple and show up at a meeting without an agenda. That wouldn't happen. So why do parents show up at IEP meetings without, you know, having a plan of what's wrong, what they need fixed, what's going well? You know, that's really good. And I just want to point out to parents who don't know where to start to get an advocate, um, call me because I advocate for parents too. I have on my website, it's uh, dyslexia-solutions.com. I have two very short videos of two parents who talk about how I advocated for them. One parent said having that advocate helps that school bring their A game. They'll start bringing writing samples and they'll, were you the one that had an, an IEP you said of 21 people? Came it was to probably your, 30, actually. But 30 yeah, people? But... 30 people at an IEP meeting. Yeah. You know, they don't want to get sued, and but a lot of these schools just don't know what to do. So having an advocate is going to help you um, with when they try to speak really fast and it just goes right over your head. What I did was I slowed them down. I had them clarify for the parent. Having an advocate is really important, and you can get an advocate. You can afford an advocate. What I do is I I provide an affordable alternative to what the schools offer and what's outside there. So you need to give me a call. Um, But Hillary, I just want to ask you, tell them how you can help them with your business and how can they reach you. And also, um, I'm going to make an appeal to parents to see if they want us to continue with a part two and get more legal information from you. Right. So I started a Facebook group called the Dyslexia Life, which I rebranded under, well, I made a Facebook group and then I had a Facebook page. It's called the Dyslexia Life, which I started because when I left San Diego, I happened to move to rural Georgia. And when I got around in rural Georgia, I found out that parents had no idea what dyslexia was. They were all calling it struggling to read and just assumed that it would be good enough. And so I started a group, a support group, basically because I was going to make sure that what had happened to my child for the last eight plus years in California did not continue to happen. Because to me, it was obvious when I started talking to parents in my area that none of them knew anything about dyslexia. They didn't have any kind of IEP. Some of them were getting a large portion of their schoolwork read to them, but they had absolutely no special ed services. So they had been sold off on the prospects of a 504 without ever being fully evaluated for special ed. Mm-hmm. So that I started doing that and I go live every Wednesday at 4.30 and I talk about whatever the heck I want to talk about with a speaker or whoever I choose to bring in on something that's interesting or something cool I found out or a law. And now I, I help people. 
So they find you on, on Facebook for that live. Yeah. The right. Dyslexia Life is a Facebook page and it connects you to the group. If you want to join the group, I only let in parents though. I don't have any teachers or school administrators in my group. <laughs> and that's how I found you. And I'm just blessed that we made this connection. Right. Well, unfortunately, you know, you can't tell who's a spy. So I don't, yeah. I can't go around and, you know, babysit everybody. So yeah. that's just kind of the rule in a lot of dyslexia groups. So I'm going to encourage parents to find you. And um, I'm going to put this in gallery view just so they could see both of us. And we're going to wrap this up. Uh, being sensitive to your time, Hillary, thank you so much. And I want to reach out to our audience. If what we have shared has inspired you, and first of all, if, please like and subscribe to our channel. If you would like to hear more from Hillary with a part two, please comment in the chat section. And also consider sponsoring us on our website, dyslexia-solutions.com. And so we could continue to get the message out and raise tuition scholarships for the tutors that we want to train in my reading program. So I thank you again, Hillary, and I want to um, wish you all a very blessed day, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. Thank you.